not happen for an age. What's that? It is a gathering. And welcome to Entmoot. I'm Harry Parkhill. This is episode 84, and I've even changed the start. Did you notice I have like a routine? I go through Battle Games in Middle Earth. This is Battle Games Middle Earth podcast. Uh, welcome to Entmoot. This is episode 84, I usually would say. But I've changed that, and there is a slight reason, and it's because I used to... It was a weird one, and I, I don't know why I've gotten into this within 30 seconds of opening the podcast, but my YouTube channel... Uh, came first. It was called Battle Games in Middle-Earth, which was named after the magazines uh, which uh, many people started on, uh, for the Diagostini part works. Multiple people on YouTube are now doing sort of run-throughs of all this sort of stuff. Um, I started my YouTube channel in 2016, 17, something like that. So Entmoot came much later. I always wanted to introduce it as a battle, like a sort of subcategory. I don't know why, and then it just stuck. But now I'm changing. The YouTube channel is called Entmoot. So... I don't need to say all that at the start. I'm going to forget. I'll probably say it again next time. But this time, it's Entmoot, episode 84, and welcome along to the podcast. The only podcast where we don't just talk about tournaments, we go along to them too. Uh, so that's what we're doing today. It's the Great British Hobbit League's grand finale or Christmas celebration. And I realise I'm releasing this podcast far too late. It's the new year now. Um, but So we're not feeling super Christmassy. But at least in the dark depths of winter, when there is no Christmas, you've got some festive joy to hear from uh, in relation to this, uh, this, this episode. So, without much further ado, let's crack on and build an army for the finale. Yeah, that's right, we're building an army. And I'll be honest, very little complication in the list building in this one. Um, essentially, uh, I spoke to Alex Temple of Battle Camper fame on YouTube. Check his stuff out if you haven't heard it or watched it before. And we sort of had this discussion about the finale being a Christmas party. And I sort of said, well, actually, it's one of the compet- most competitive events in the Great British Hobbit League. It's a 100-pointer, so it's worth the most points you can get towards the league. And also, people, you know, can potentially change positions in the league. It's very exciting, very uh, tense moments uh, in the league because of uh, because of this, because it can affect any region. Uh, it can do the team event, uh, the team sort of system in the Great Shopping League can be affected. All these sorts of things in the league um, could, could change. So, you know, it's well worth going along, trying your hardest. And Alex said, yeah, but it's the Christmas party this is the end of the year year it's coming up to it was december the 16th something like that it's coming to christmas we should do some christmasy and he said i'm well i'm gonna do something and i was like well i can't you've you've thrown down the gauntlet like that you've put it on the table you threw it down and said i'm gonna do something christmasy so i said you know what i like christmas films so I'm going to bring a Christmas film tribute, an MESBG Christmas film tribute. That, so that's what I've done. So in, I mean, you can see all this on my YouTube channel. Search for Entmoot videos on YouTube. And you should be able to find um, a bit of a rundown of, of how I turned these various characters into the characters that they have become. I won't ruin any of it, but do check it out on on the old YouTube channel, um, which I'll put a link for in the description below, just because you might not be able to find it anymore because of the change of names. Um, Essentially, I decided to do a tribute 
with MESBG characters, Lord of the Rings characters, turning into characters from my favourite Christmas films. So, we're starting with none other than the Santa Claus. Yes, that's right, the Tim Allen classic comedy where father, Scott Calvin, and son, estranged son, Charlie Calvin, have an adventure because on Christmas Eve, Santa falls off uh, Scott Calvin's roof and he then uh, puts on his suit and becomes Santa Claus over the coming year. It's amazing, it's hilarious, it's fantastic. It's the start to my hobby journey. And of course, no Christmas thing would be right without a Christmas-themed character like the Santa Claus. So that's who I've got. Start with Radagast on Sleigh with Sebastian, but actually it's Scott Calvin and son Charlie on the sleigh. And I converted up a little Charlie from the old metal uh, Merry that used to sit on top of Treebeard. And there's there's presents and there's uh, Santa hats and all that sort of stuff on Radion Slay. He's 200 points. He has to be my leader because he's a hero of legend in the alliance that I'm using him for. So next, we've got none other than the Grinch himself. He tries to steal Christmas, but he's here and he's along for the ride. And he's being played in this film tribute by... Beyond the Bear, or Beyond the Man and the Bear. So he's Beyond the Man when he's just sort of happy, jolly, festive, Christmassy Grinch, uh, perhaps before uh, he steals Christmas. And then, no, he gets real angry because he wants to steal Christmas. He turns into a bear. And the Grinch is green. Beyond, not traditionally green. Check out the YouTube video to see what I did with him. Uh, then we've got the characters from Elf. Elf. One of my favourite Christmas films. Uh, I went to see it at the uh, Royal Albert Hall this year. Um, Last year, I went to see The Fellowship of the Ring with the uh, concert orchestra. It was amazing. This year, my wife, Louise, said, I would like to go and see a film that I like more. She likes a lot of the rings, but big fan of Elf. We went to see that. Inspired me to create Buddy the Elf and Jovi. That's uh, the, the character played by Zooey Deschanel in the movie. And um, I thought two characters that would work for them, you know, a male and a female that come together. Obviously, it's Tom Bombadil and Goldberry. Yes, that's right. I'm doing it. I'm doing Bombadil and Goldberry. They're coming to a tournament with me. It's already a strong start, right? So that's another 300 points after 400 points has already been spent on two characters. And um, they are amazing models. Uh, I painted them. I'm quite happy with the paint job, but they are amazing models uh, designed by Forge Master Miniatures, uh, a great, great uh, company that does lots and lots of alternative sculpts for uh, Middle Earth uh, models especially those models that are perhaps not in stock or out of production, those sorts of things. Um, do check Forge Master Miniatures out. Um, I believe they're actually... Originally, they were intended to be on sale at the same time as uh, my video came out. Now I think they might just come out next year, which is exciting. So I've got a year-long exclusive uh, for this. Um, very, very lovely miniatures. Do check uh, the video out if you want to see them. And finally, rounding things off... It is none other than the main character in one of the most Christmassy movies ever. It's John McClane from Die Hard. All that sort of stuff. Yippee-ki-yay, M-E-S-B-G. Um, so there we go. That's what we've got. Um, we've got die-hard character John McClane, played by Bruce Willis. But really, in this situation, he's going to be standing in as Legolas. Prince of Mirkwood slash Leggy Greenleaf. I can't remember which one it, which one it is. It's I think the Prince of Mirkwood. I think is the only one that can ally in. So um, he doesn't get his cloak or a sword or anything like that. It's just ninety five points, which rounds things off at I think seven hundred ninety five points. 
four, five characters, is that? Six characters? No, five. Bulb, Bulbbury, uh, Bombadil, Goldbury, Leggy, Bjorn and Radagast. That is the army. I'm not particularly confident about it. Um, Bombadil and Goldbury can refreshing song everything, so it gives everything, uh, every time they do it on a 2+, plus, it's a point of might, a point of will, a point of fate, a wound, regained. They can't go above their starting value. So that means that there's the potential for Bayonne and Radagast to, and Legolas to just be infinitely killing things. But the question is, how much can they kill in the turn that they have before they sort of eventually get sort of flash killed by everything? So that's the big question. But really, I don't really care. Short games, blessedly short games, hopefully. We'll see what happens because I particularly... I'm excited. After the last episode where uh, we talked about the competitive stuff and me trying quite hard with um, with the the uh, last alliance to try and to win or to help my team, uh, which which went well pretty well to be fair. Um, and then the previous one, we're talking about my sort of guilt over winning games and all this sort of stuff. This time, I just want to take the foot off the accelerator, have a Christmas time which I'm very, very excited about. What I'm going to do is quickly bash out some questions that need answering. Questions, questions that need answering. Yes, that's right. So uh, just a quick one, uh, a few comments. Um, actually, nothing yet, because I think we uh, it, the last episode was very, very recent. Um, we, we, it's sort of the in, email inbox is blessedly uh, light today. But um, Jack Darlington's been in touch, patron supporter, long-time uh, friend and hobby companion uh, of my own. Uh, in fact, I think... He was one of the first people I played uh, Middle Earth with many years ago um, in Lincoln. Um, God, I couldn't think it. It must have been six years ago now, at least. Uh, and he, got, he helped me get back into the hobby, which is brilliant. Um, and I certainly got him into the hobby for the first time, which is ace. Uh, Jack says, Hi, Harry. As you know, I've been part of the Middle Earth community for several years now, but to my shame, have only really started started to tap into the world of podcasts. That's interesting. I've been thoroughly enjoying listening to Entmoot over the past couple of weeks and slowly working my way backwards into the archives. Working backwards is strange. Do it the other way around, because then you you can play along to the riddle in the dark and stuff like that. It's, it's well worth doing. Um, he says, I've just listened to your most recent episode in a rare moment of peace between Christmas and New Year, and I'm incredibly excited for the possibility of a hobby-centric tournament. Keep up the good work with the podcasting. I'll keep listening and hopefully get a chance to jump into one of your Patreon streams soon. All the best, Jack Darlington. Yes, we had a, a, a Patreon exclusive live stream over the Christmas period. Um, so uh, just because I like to have a little, a little sort of personal, personal hobby session uh, with the guys uh, and gals who support the uh, the podcast. And um, Jack, I, I'm glad you're excited by the um, the hobby centric tournament. I have a, an event pack ready and raring to go. I need to get a date sorted for the calendar, and then I might pull the trigger on it. It'll be June. That's the hope. Um, but thank you very much for showing an interest. I'm glad you're excited by the idea of it, because I know I am. Um, let's see, who else have we got? We've got Charles or Chuck, Chuck Sadler. Um, he says, uh, I've been, I was listening to your latest episode with Eagerness. I'm thinking about running a team event in my neck of the woods in Michigan and enjoyed hearing about your team's journey. I've played in teams events before with different systems, but never for Middle Earth. Do you have the rules pack? Um, and I'd like to see how they do the draft, etc., etc. Um, congrats on being uh, a bringing honour to Numenor and Rivendell. I've recently started those factions as well. Cheers, Chuck. Um, Chuck, I've sent you the email um, with the events pack. Uh, worth noting, though, that Will Champion in the previous episode did uh, sort of say that coming this summer, there's going to be uh, a big teams event in Brussels. No, uh, Antwerp in Belgium. 
And he said he said that they they might refine things in it. So if you're planning on copying and pasting a, a rules pack or just looking at the event pack, fine, go ahead and have a look at the Heroes of the West. But it might also be worth looking out for that one that's coming soon as well because that may well be a refined version. So uh, there you go. Thanks, Chuck. Anyway, um, Matt uh, got in touch. Uh, Matt McSwizzock. I don't, I can't, I don't know how I'm pronouncing this. Um, but thank you. You got in touch last time. You said, thanks for reading my email. I think you may have not been able to locate it. So I, did, I didn't give a title and my email address is different, it says. Uh, and it was about um, thanking me uh, for uh, the podcast. Um, and he, he listened to episode 30 where I had... David play a proxy game for me at minimising down under. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was good. You said, uh, says, I really enjoyed the tournament coverage and thought the dynamic between you and David was great. You two should get together again. Warm regards. Uh, Matt. That's interesting. So thank you, Matt. Yeah, I did do that. I try and do little bits and bobs like that to keep them fresh every so often. But... Um, I, it, you know, sometimes, sometimes I, I'm I'm just so ba- so sort of stocked up with tournaments that I actually think I'm just going to bash out the tournaments and then I can't keep up with them. So uh, so other ideas like that um, sometimes fall behind the wayside uh, on the wayside. But Jacob from Conquest Creations has been in touch. Hi, Jacob, um, and he talks about a collaboration on an upcoming project. I will keep it. A little bit secret, but we will uh, we will be doing something soon, hopefully, with Jacob of Conquest Creations. If you haven't watched Conquest Creations, I'd be very surprised. But he's basically the person who does the be- the best battle reports on the interwebs. Although there are some really great YouTube channels, he just has something that he nails it down to half an hour, and you get so much in there, and it's really good. So highly recommend Jacob or uh, Conquest Creation stuff. Um, and there'll be something coming soon with him. So it's very exciting. Anyway. I feel like we've rocketed through all that stuff and there was a very specific reason for that and it's because we've got a very special interview later on in the podcast. But in the meantime, we've got a Christmassy adventure to go on. Let's head off to the Christmas GVHL finale with 800 points of nonsense. Bombadil, also known as Elf, Buddy, Jovi, Goldberry. Uh, We've got Bruce Willis, John McClane, Legolas, Bayonne the Grinch, and we've got the Santa Claus, also known as Radagast on Slay. I will mix these up over the course of the event, so I might one day be talking about John McClane shooting people. The next turn I might be talking about Legolas, but I'm apologising in advance because it's very hard to get out of the habit of these things and help people along while you're uh, trying to explain what rules each thing has. So, without much further ado, let's go Christmasing. I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! So, game number one of the GBHL finale. I've got my uh, Santa gear. It's actually become a bit dishevelled already. I've got my beard and everything. But uh, playing with my Christmas alliance, the the Christmas movie alliance against Ernest. And Ernest, first of all, um, this is the GBHL finale. It's considered actually quite a competitive event. Have you gone in for the competitive, or are you here just to have fun? Are you expecting to win the tournament? You know, what's your aims here? I'm just here for the day. Like, <laughs> I don't go to many anymore, so I'm just looking for a nice weekend. Excellent, excellent. So, so what have you brought for, for your list? I bought Boromir with a bunch of cronies from Minister. 
Yeah, so you got Hurin, uh, Berigond, yeah. Ingold, and I mean, it must be quite a lot of models. I'm thinking 40 something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've got the Siege engine oh, as well. Yeah, the Ballista as well. So when you saw um, Radagast, I should say Scott Calvin and Son Charlie, uh, the Grinch, all that sort of stuff against you, first of all, I mean, what, what did you think about the idea? So I was given a cast list to start, <laughs> and that kind of opened it up. I've, it's a really neat idea, and then finally seeing the models, it was really quite fun. A good way to start the weekend, I think. Yeah, I, I hope so. And in terms of the game, obviously it's it's not uh, we're playing ca- uh, command the battlefield, so we've got to capture table quarters here. Uh, in terms of actually trying to sort of play this game, I guess you've got a relatively easy game here because you've got I've got five models. And you've got a lot more models to take the quarter. So were you, were you sort of worried at all going into it? No, uh, yeah. I obviously had the advantage from the outset. Um, I was kind of just happy to play and see what you would do. Like, you walled off a couple of things with um, the magic heroes. Yeah, so Buddy and Jovi uh, slash Tom Bombadil and Goldberry. They, they, basically, Radagast went into a gap, didn't he? And um, he was trying to shield it off completely. Uh, uh, so that we didn't get as many guys onto him. But you, you eventually bled your guys through uh, that, the, that terrain. I mean, the, the Maelstrom didn't really play into, the, into this. We both got onto the pretty much play. I think Ingold spent one might. Uh, maybe I spent a might as well, but I refreshed it back, so it was all fine. But yeah, uh, once the actual game started, there was an ear- early opportunity. <coughs> My voice is already going. There's an early opportunity for um, me to essentially heroic combat from a Minister of Warrior into um, Huron, who had just been shot off his horse. I mean, first, did you see it coming? I did not see that coming. No, yeah. that, was, uh, that was quite good. Um, would have been quite nice. I, I kind of set it all up for the siege and for the shooting. Yeah. So for that to be jumped a turn, yeah. um, not that initial strategy back. Yeah, but of course, um, Radagast doesn't have her strike, so uh, it, was, it was just a dice-off, wasn't it? Um, I think you were on the floor, so you couldn't strike... I was in a fight, and then you won the, the roll-off, so you ended up winning it, and, and maybe even took some wounds with some of the other guys, I can't remember, but uh, either way, it, it was, uh, it was an op- a missed opportunity for me. And I think early on, the roll-offs all went your way, pretty much. So, uh, I did, for example, a turn, I, I called a move with Legless and a channel with Radagast, and my hope was to do a, a, a channeled um, Nature's Wrath to try and get everyone to fall over, to take strength two hits, maybe I'd take a few wounds, who knows. I just thought, this is my opportunity but I missed that one and so a few of the roll-offs went, uh, went your way early on but largely there wasn't a lot that I could do to win here really would you say? Initially with Radagast in all my warriors I didn't have too many heroes ready to counter I did get a little bit worried that you would do quite a lot of damage and maybe mm. potentially enough damage to actually start causing me to sweat Yeah sadly I think because I'd I'd gone a bit gung-ho too early on because I'd charged Raddy and I'd heroic combated with him. Uh, and I think I'd spent all my might to do that, just to try and maybe take Huron off the ball because I thought, if I kill Huron, then I might have a better shot at um, Boromir, who was quite far away. But I thought that maybe um, maybe I went too far because um, the, uh, the Buddy and Jovi couldn't catch up to refresh his wounds or his might back. So he was left a bit stranded for a turn or two, which I think gave you the chance to get your heroes in, uh, get your... T- um, your bodyguard people to get past my terrifying aura and all that sort of stuff. So it may, maybe it was a bit of a mistake. I think if, it had, if the roll-off had gone my way and I'd kill Huron, well worth it. But yeah. it was a 50-50, wasn't it, ultimately? I can, I can see that, yeah. yeah. Also, you had the turn without Bjorn near Radagast, so you left him 
to himself. Yeah, yeah. And once he did catch up, it was much, um, it was much more interesting in the sense that I was getting a few kills, you were getting a few wounds here and there off, uh, off both the big heroes, and um, I was refreshing them back most of the time. But it was a bit dicey at a time because you, you chip quite a lot of wounds and might off Radagast. So, and then I, eventually, I think we tallied it. I, I rolled seven ones out of my refreshing songs, which uh, in total out of twenty-five, I thought was. Not, not the best, but um, either way, I, I think it was quite fun. I really enjoyed the... It, it felt a very low-pressure game, didn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, Attrition was all I was really hoping for, and that's how it played out. Mm. Unfortunately, I couldn't really f- think about doing anything fancy with what you had, but yeah. I'm not complaining about that too much. <clears throat> you didn't need to. You just needed to put, make sure you got all your guys on your, uh, uh, your table quarters, which you did, and then just kind of hope that eventually, like you say, attrition or where, where Radagast and, and Boromir uh, will survive. And there were a few, I mean, it was quite exciting right at the end. We had quite a few combats where, um, where Bjorn, I think it was two turns in a row with Bjorn, and was it, yeah, it was two, and then two turns in a row with Legolas, uh, sorry, not Bjorn and Legolas, the Grinch <laughs> and John McLean from Die Hard. Um, you had a couple of turns there um, with each of them. Because of the refreshing song, your Boromir went from like, four points of might down to zero and I was just giving Bjorn and uh, uh, and, and John McLean them back so it it could have I could have got the kill for the leader but um, sadly you, you, you managed to pip it just probably through weight of dice you had more dice in the combat you would get the six every time whereas I only had three dice and or two with Legolas so, so it's a tricky one either way I hope you enjoyed the game oh yes uh, and it was a 12 nil. so well done to that um, I I, yeah, I didn't get any anything. I, I think I was quite quite a way off breaking you as well. I think it was good, nearly ten. I think by the end. So, so either way, uh, Ernest, thank you very much for the game. Best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Hi, thanks, Harry. Thank you. So, game number two here at the GBHL finale with lights, camera, Christmas, um, and playing against David Nixon. David, uh, first of all, um, you've got you've got some pedigree here. Uh, in the in the GBHL, you're in the oh, Masters. Sorry, sorry to start with this. You're in the Masters. You're, you've won tournaments. What are you doing down on uh, here with me at a twelve nil loss? What happened in your first game? Well, uh, well, I mean, I've never won a GBHL one hundred actually. Oh, okay. That's still a that's still an achievement for next year, I think. Um, no, I, I mean, I'm down here after getting a, a sort of Lothlorien in the first game. That was pretty painful as I got deleted, sort of turn two. Um, but yeah, I. I and then this game I did think I was actually I didn't know how it was going to go to be honest to begin with I think I got lucky because Beyond didn't turn into a bear mm. I think you forgot you forgot about my special rule to to steal the priority yeah and and it a little a, bit flew a little bit too close to the sun in that it was a little uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reveal the full result in a second but yeah you're quite right uh, I, I did make a couple of errors early on in this game so I mean first of all I mean, what did you think when you saw that you were playing against the, the Christmas Alliance uh, the Christmas Movie Alliance well, as soon as I lost my game uh, earlier on the today and I was walking around the tables, I thought, oh, I hope I play against your, your Christmas list. That looks like hilarious fun. Um, so when we were paired up, I, I was, I was uh, pretty pleased with that. Um, it, it does, it sort of, it looks really odd. It looks more threatening than I think it is. Yeah. Because um, it's kind of like the Vanquishers, but with a lot less killing power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially, I've, I've got three models that can actually do any damage. Legolas yeah. is crap in combat. Oh, I mean, he's fine, but he's not going to kill lots <laughs> of stuff. Um, and he, he's the idea, obviously, is that he can assassinate heroes, take banners out, that sort of stuff, um, before the, the big stuff happens. And then it's kind of reliant on Raddy and the bear. And as you say, very early on, I think it was... 
it must have been the, the second turn and yeah. because we're playing retrieval where we deploy sort of on the middle line or thereabouts trying to capture the um, capture the flag essentially um, it I, I just put some stuff quite quite far forward. Um, Bayonne didn't. Um, I, I think I won the first priority, so I moved everything, and then you you had two turns on the bounce where you could just capture him essentially. Yeah, well, because you won the first priority, I knew you couldn't really get to Azog with Bayonne or anything like that. I, I called that march, which allowed me to flip Azog right round the back as well um, to know he was going to be out of the way of, of uh, Goldberry and uh, Tom Bombadil because uh, otherwise they just pair him off. So And then, yeah, I managed to get into Bayonne and flash kill him. I think you were a little unlucky because you did have the one roll at it and obviously failed it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, and then you and then you lost the roll off for the combat because we were both the same fight value as well. Yeah, yeah that, was the, that was the big thing, I think, we because we both struck. You had the keep of the dungeons in that fight. We both struck. We both. I think we both got to 10. And, um, and yeah, and that was it. That was it. I, I got surrounded by a couple because there was no terror. Of course, the hunter orcs hate the terror, which we'll get onto in a second. Um, but it, it just meant he, he died in that first turn. Which, I mean, I, I, I should I, I really kicked myself because I've played, I've used this army myself, so I know the the tricks um, behind it. But I think I just 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 didn't didn't think at all in that first game. I was so thinking. I think I was so. Um, Distracted by oh, what what sort of magic should I be doing on Azog? Should I be doing Panic Steed? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? <clears throat> that I just didn't think about the simple things like where do I put my models, which which was stupid. But having said that, the game lasted a lot longer than perhaps initially you'd think after losing one of the biggest killers in my army. So Legolas did quite a lot of shooting. He um, he killed well, he didn't kill anything, but he chipped a lot of damage off the Azog and the Wild Wild, uh, the White Wild but never quite got the kill that he needed. I think it was three turns that I did. I chipped a, wo- a fate, yeah, a fate, and then a wound. Yeah. Passed both fate, and he took a wound off the White Warg. I think, yeah. I was surprised when you shot at the White Warg. I thought you were going to shoot at, at Azog himself, but because um, I, mean, I thought you would just panic steed the White Warg to get rid of him. I think, I think you maybe, maybe got too caught up in that. I was expecting a lot more Nature's Wrath. So I suppose the magic resistance with this really held up because it was the one turn when you, you did it and I needed a six on one dice and got it. Yeah. So there was, there was a bit of luck on my end there. I didn't expect a lot more dead bodies just from pure... Well, the, the thing wrath. is, nature, Nature's Wrath doesn't do the damage. It's the Wrath of Brunin that does the damage. Uh, it, nature's Wrath's just the one that sits down unless I channel it. So I thought about channeling it, but because I'd lost... Um, Legolas relatively quickly um, and I, I didn't have any other might it meant that I couldn't do a channel and the thing so the, the Nature's Wrath was never really a possibility for me um, I did think about other magic that I could do but I, I think realistically it was all down to the Panic Steed which did go off eventually didn't it um, and yes. uh, which which is great because it just gets rid of the White Warg um, I wanted to get it in earlier though but I think I did Two or three panic steeds on you, maybe. Maybe it's just the two, but both times they, they, you managed to resist them. On, on I, I think I got fives or sixes on, on those results, but still you managed to, to dodge the dodge the bullet on that one. But um, after that, it largely just came down to um, uh, Buddy and Jovi uh, renewing uh, or refreshing songing Radagast on his sleigh while he was surrounded every single turn after that, calling a heroic defense for free, and and that's a difficult. It's not that fun, I guess, for you. Or what did you think? Was it fun? <laughs> I think, I think it, it sort of was fun because you could. I wasn't losing guys at the same time, so I knew it wasn't going down to that point. But it was getting to a point where it was close that I was almost out of might, and you were constantly getting yours back. I mean, you, you went through 14, 14 might in the game you spent with Radagast. Yeah, so I, I've got the stats on my book. Hold on. So uh, the 
I went through. Oh, I didn't write it down. Uh, I got twelve. I spent twelve fate, six wounds, and I think it was. It was somewhere in the region of fourteen uh, might as well. So he got a lot of might back. But that's largely because Bayon died early on. So both of them and Legolas died not long after that, and I'd kind of left him back a little bit to protect the objective. But. Um, yeah, they, they, there was no one else they were going to spend it on, so I might as well. Um, but yeah, that, that did help a lot because it meant that I had a might for the move and a might for the defence pretty much every turn. I think it was only a couple of turns where I didn't have that, so and I was very lucky that, that it kept renewing my wounds back. I mean, even even on the last the last combat, um, I think there was still I think he still had three fate and three wounds um, after after being renewed enough times to get it. So it was really hard to take down, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a couple of times. There was one turn quite early on where I thought I was going to get him because I was rolling 36 dice, so six wounds on average. I should have had him, and I think I got like two or three wounds yeah, in. Yeah, it <laughs> wasn't anywhere near and enough. There was, there was another turn where you hadn't refreshed him as much, so he was only on yeah, one, so fate, one, hadn't I, yeah. one fate, three wounds. Um, and again, but I didn't have as many dice. I mean, passing those terror checks to try and get into him. I kept him on his sleigh for that reason, just to have more base contact to get in. But it was, it was still just trying to roll eights. I do, I do need a war horn in this list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that channel terrifying aura, even with eights, it was uh, with uh, plus one courage, would have been really horrible because the Gundabads weren't getting in that, that much either. And Azog failed to get in once as well. Yeah, Azog failed. Azog failed. I think like, twice, maybe. Twice, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I had to use uh, Will the first time, which hurts when you're against someone that's going to magic you. You know, start using magic on you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, I, mean, you I can't mean, I'll be pleased with the result. I, I won 12, it was 12 nil, wasn't yeah. it? So, um, obviously played the game as it was. A different mission, I think you could more just camp sort of like one little area of terrain and use the terrain as well as Goldberry and, uh, and Tom. Because, I mean, Buddy and Jovi, they were, they were stopping a lot of models getting in, yeah. even just staying there. I know you debated at one point, spending the last point to refreshing Song Radagast again with Jovi, but it was like, but actually she's... She's holding up a good three inches of his line yeah, at yeah. the back there, stopping another, you know, ten hunter orcs trying every turn to get yeah. in, which is just more dice in the end. I think you're right about the the uh, terrain. I, my so that my base, I didn't. This board is quite sparse of terrain, except quite a lot of little blocks. And um, there was this bit that I, I decided I wanted to go to, um, uh, which has got like, like three, yeah, it's got like a triangle of three bits. It's not ideal, but I thought it was the best chance of me being able to get my base. But I think you just caught me slightly further back than I'd wanted. I wanted to be about two inches, three inches more forward, and then I'd have been able to uh, castle up a bit easier. Maybe I don't know. Uh, it was still not going to be easy either way. But um, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I should have just sat at my objective. Um, and just just waited for you to come to me while Legolas f- flings his arrows and and hopes for the best. But um, yeah, I just went went for it. Why not? Um, but yeah, either way, as you say, twelve nil win to you. Um, I I think realistically in this scenario, it's very hard for me to win to get the objective or to stop and to stop you getting my objective. But maybe I could have stopped you getting my objective with the uh, with the help of the uh, the the, uh, the the team from Elf. But um, either way. Uh, Best of luck for the next game. Obviously, this is this is supreme su- uh, submarining style, so you never know where you could end up, David. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to end up playing one of the other sweaty players who's probably lost <laughs> at the top of the list now. So, <laughs> All right, well, best of luck in it either way. Thank you. Right. Cheers, mate. Game three, it's Recon, and I'm playing Graham. Um, welcome back. Uh, I, well, actually, you weren't in the podcast, but you did feature a little bit in uh, the video I did uh, when we went camping because we've been camping together when I was in the ice and you were in the cold camper van indeed yes I still can't believe you camped out in the snow in that snow I, what a what a madman what a madman what a madman and also this same madman has brought a Christmas themed list to the tournament um, 800 points what have you brought with you for recon 
Uh, I brought uh, Isengard, three warbands, uh, Saruman, the leader, with, uh, he's got Grima, and then Malher with a load of Marauders and Lurts. So, so when you saw the, um, the Christmas-themed list that you were coming up against, did you have any particular plan? Were you worried? What were, what were your thoughts that you were going through your head? Well, Other than that it's very festive. Oh, of course. Of course. I, was, I, I noticed how, how fantastic the, uh, the job was, especially I enjoy the, um, the Grinch beyond the most, I think. Uh, what, I think I was constantly second-guessing myself throughout the entire thing, wondering if there's anything I'm missing other than just move forward off the board. Yeah, and, and I, I think you were probably right to be second-guessing because this is an army that's got a lot of tricks, but the reality is you're completely right. You just move off the board. I've only got five models. I'm not going to be able to block off the whole whole map, essentially. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just yeah, everybody struggled with five models against, like, 40, whatever I have. Yeah, Yeah, you had a lot. You had a lot. And um, I think we're, we actually, annoyingly, we played on the same board that I just played on, which I think I'd mentioned in the previous board uh, to, uh, podcast, didn't have um, a lot of terrain. There's, like... Mm a smattering of bits but they're very small none of them block off a lot of the map so although there's a, some choke points which probably would be good for two infantry lines fighting against each other for the I really want three massive bits of terrain that I can block small gaps up with with my guys and there just isn't that in here so you kind of had free reign to just run past me basically yeah but yeah pretty much yeah I was I was thinking I just I'm constantly thinking about um, sorry John McLean and the other one, uh, Goldberry, um, blocking off certain points. But yeah, as you said, there was just the gaps were just too big for to really for them to be that effective. Well, I mean, I like to think that Radagast on his sleigh pulled a lot of weight here. That he killed so many, yeah, so many deaths. I mean, it must have been. I, I think on on average, probably in the region of two or three, and that and he was heroic combating an awful lot per turn. So I'd say something like four or maybe five per turn or a kind of going down to him which was just quite a lot yeah no, yeah, I was getting quite worried and I, I did think to myself maybe I could stop you from breaking me up. but then as soon as as soon as Radagast was throwing combating off everything it was just that, that dream sort of died but managed to get enough off yeah exactly but the early on it was quite interesting because I, I saw you because you you'd put um, Grimmer into my my warband which I was actually quite terrified about because I basically had two things that I could do to get rid of Grimmer one I could uh, nature's wrath him but I'd have to channel it because the nature's wrath doesn't um, doesn't automatically throw you off your horse um, or I could target the horse and throw you and uh, with the um, horsey thing what's it called uh, panic steed yeah. and uh, so I was really worried about that and luckily in the very first turn I managed to panic your steed and Grimmer went head first into the ground and died neck broken I assume I know that's that's the second time today that Grimmer's died immediately. Yeah, but uh, after that, Saruman, your threat range on Saruman is really intimidating. You were you were lining up in the very first turn to do a sorceress blast. You were just slightly out of range, but I, and I was like, phew. But then next turn, you didn't do the sorceress blast, or you didn't try. Was there a reason? I I think at that point I was just trying to just throw some bodies to Radagast and then just basically just get just get everyone off the board and try and protect Saruman and stop you from wounding him basically. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I I actually think all all you need to do is one sorceress blast into Radagast and it knocks him off his sleigh, and then um, I'm dismounted and, I, and then I'm just some guy with one or two attacks. Um, yeah. So I I think that would have probably been the wise move early on, but. 
you were mobilising once or twice, I think, and, and there was a lot of match, and then you were just avoiding him so that I couldn't panic his steed. Managed to take all three points of his face off with Legolas, but then the lines clashed and, and I could not get a shot in, so I didn't manage to wound Saruman either. But I was pretty impressed with the amount of killing I managed to do. I mean, I, I broke you off the back of it, and that's despite... Bayorn not really doing very much. He kept rolling ones to wound. It was terrible. And then John McLean also. He killed like one a turn, but I kept call, hopefully calling her at combats when he was fighting two guys and just failing. So um, I, I guess, what, do, you, do you think there was anything that I could have done differently here to, to stem the tide of Urukai? I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I think you just got a bit unlucky, with, particularly with um, John McLean trying to snipe out, snipe out Saruman, I was just lucky with those fate rolls, basically. Um, I think... I'm not sure if you managed to win with so few models, but I think, um, but I think it might have been a lot closer if you managed to snipe out and kill Saruman with Legolas. I, I think so. If I had a snipe uh, Saruman, I'd have probably got an extra couple of points. Um, and I do think maybe if the early turns where Bjorn had, where had combated had gone better you'd have got fewer models off because I was hoping that I might be able to stop you getting the full triple um, which might give me a draw so if I got because um, I had five models and if you got if I stopped to get more than ten off the board then I thought maybe I've got a chance but uh, well uh, more than fifteen sorry off the board then maybe I'd have a chance but it just didn't quite happen You and you were quite persistent you were playing it really well actually just making sure you pushed everyone off the board which I can only say congratulations for so well done I mean I, I guess you, you've done quite poorly to get into this position but oh, yeah. you're on the way back up uh, j- just about I don't think I'll rise any further but I, yeah, I'm happy with one win for today that's, that's, that's fine well thanks very much for talking to me and thanks for, uh, thanks for a great game it was a cracker Th- thank you very much Harry so, uh, what game number is this? Uh, it must be game number four. At the start of day number two, you can hear from my throat that it's definitely day number two after a, a, a long day shouting and so on yesterday. But we're back. I'm, uh, rather than in my Santa outfit, I'm in a suit because it's the finale day. There's going to be awards later. I'm unlikely to be getting awards after that game. But we welcome to the podcast for the very first time Hamish Gentles, one of my longest-serving patrons, I believe. You must have been a patron supporter since the very start, I think. Very very near the start. Very near the start. Well, first of all, thank you so much for that. Uh, I really do appreciate you supporting the podcast. Um, So we found ourselves on the very bottom table. I was last, you were second last. Not quite the bottom table. There's a there's a table over there that's bottom, but yeah, but there, there's nobody playing on that one. <laughs> free free reign of bottom tables. Yeah, we, I think that all of the four or five bottom tables are completely empty. So uh, we're surrounded by a dead zone of people who are uh, not bothered. But anyway, uh, Hamish, you you found yourself on the bottom table. So three losses yesterday can't have gone well. Uh, well, but you've got what I would describe as actually quite a good army. What what what's what have you got with you? Uh, so I've got Saruman and Grimar both on horse. Um, barely any Uruks have got a couple of berserkers and a banner with a pike and then mostly just kind of Mordor orcs with Saruman uh, I've then got Gothmog on Warg uh, he's leading a Warg rider with kind of full kit and then basically just Moranans and then the mouth of Sauron on horse with uh, a few trackers and a few more Morans and there's a Corbine also in Saruman's warband so 43 models so yeah it's, I get what you're saying it's a conventional army so <laughs> why, why should I be here because Maybe a bad, bad pilot rather than kind of bad army. So well, it, it does. I think actually, it's it's a really interesting list. You've got you've got the mobility of the Crabane, You've got two casters. Grim is a pain in the ass. Uh, Gothmog is very useful with his master of battle. Maybe you're lacking a really big hitter, and you're, you're, I guess you've got a lot of strength three models, which makes it a little bit tricky for you. But still, it's, it's, it seems really cool to me. 
yeah, I think if you, if you I've tried to try to feel less, like to kind of write feel less, and if you add too much strength for it, and I think you just lose too many models. And there's definitely, I think I say, I would have met at the moment where more models is key. I would say so. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's probably just a poor driver rather than anything, but <laughs> still still it's quite fun. Saruman, I just so good. Just this casting's amazing. Yeah, uh, as we'll maybe get to. In a yeah, minute. exactly. We won't reveal exactly what the result is just yet, but uh, we're playing breakthrough. So um, the final ob- objective scenario, Paul. Um, so I think we're left with the killing scenario and the unique scenarios, which I think are the ones that I probably thought I'd do best with over the course of the tournament. Anyway, um, so. Breakthrough, probably one of the better ones for me in the sense that uh, I, c- I can push forward through to one objective which has got a lot more points value to it. Uh, but still, it's going to be an uphill struggle against a massive army. Um, so already mitigating <laughs> my, my chances here. But, I mean, did you have a plan and, and were, you, were you sort of intimidated at all by the list? I mean, Tom and Goldberg are kind of, I don't want to say oppressive because you can definitely kind of counter them, just kind of trap them and sort of limit where they can move. But... Uh, you do really need to kind of try and flash kill heroes or roll poorly as well maybe get. <laughs> yeah. So so I think the, the the main thing here in the in the early stages, I mean I think I think I shot uh, Grimmer off his horse. Uh, I just killed Grimmer by bow because you deployed him with your uh, army, which I think might have been a mistake. I I, I think uh, although I have uh, two points of offensive magic, one the dis- um uh, the the what's it called? Panic Steed and the other being the uh, channeled Nature's Wrath. I think the the, chan- the chances of me killing him with the with Legolas is higher than those those things actually killing him. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see a point. I don't know, maybe it wasn't the sort of the, the premier play, but I don't get I don't get hurt too much in the end. But I still yeah I, I get your point. I I just kind of thought usually when you see a magic user you, with Grima you can go like oh I'll keep him I'll, I'll hold yeah. on to him and yeah maybe that was the. But, fault, but having said that, you, your magic user is is much more yeah. offensive magic-wise. You've got Sorcerer's Blast, yeah. and and I think I don't know how many times you tried. I think you did a couple of immobilizers on Radagast first, and yeah. I, and chips away at my will and my, my my stores and things like that. But um, the it's the Sorcerer's Blast really. And once yeah. you started firing them at me, it was I was very scared. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when you first Sorcerer's Blast, you kind of fail to resist because I think, was he only had. Two might you'd used might or something. Yeah, you're yeah. down to two, and you rolled a three high. Was it or yeah, two high? I think it was. And, and then, I think I'd rolled three out of four will or something like that because yeah. I had terrifying you put, aura. You put a lot into it, and then yeah. you just didn't roll high enough to even might it. Because that's I guess that's the good thing about your armies. Like as you said, Tom and Goldberg just give you so much kind of staying power. It's not like you know, oh I've I've burned all my might on my heroes. I'm I'm done. But uh, yeah, I was just very unlucky to kind of get you off the sleigh because I think you said the sleigh had kind of. Not carried, but been a lot more youth, uh, well, good well, for killing stuff. And yeah, I mean, without it, in the previous game uh, I'd played, Bayon died. Uh, well, not previous one, uh, prior to that, where um, Bayon got flash killed. That was that was probably the hardest uh, game that I had. But Radagast pulled a lot of weight. Uh, and this game, I was thinking, right, okay, if I make sure Bayon and um, Hello Will, uh, <laughs> Bayon and uh, Radagast do some work together, then maybe because you've got so many orcs. Um, and there's very little uh, higher fight value that I thought maybe I've got a chance here but as soon as I uh, lost the sleigh I was thinking I I really don't know how I'm going to have a chance here to be honest what do you think do you think there was anything that I could do here I mean you're asking someone else who's on the bottom table so that's (laughs) that's probably not the best place to start Um, I think at the end of the day it's a a great cope for wargaming just just came down to dice at the end there's a lot of like I mean, I know you said maybe not as many as other games, but you'd roll a few ones for 
uh, refreshing songs. Which yeah, was, I think was I had four out four or something like that, which is not great. Though. Yeah, um, but I think, yeah, I don't. I think you definitely did the right thing. Maybe if it'd gone a bit better, not losing the the sleigh, you could have killed a lot more orcs. Uh, but you're kind of. I thought your pairing of Bjorn with Goldberry kind of down one flank and then the rest of the guys in the other flank is quite good. So there's yeah. kind of like babysitting. Yeah, exactly, babysitting the bear. I, I basically sent um, uh, Bjorn to go via one of the objectives to get to the furthest away objective. My intention was to sort of maybe bait the rest of your army over to your, my objective, but no, knowing that I'll probably... Um, I thought initially, I thought probably Radagast will be able to shield off that thing with his sleigh, um, hoping that I would resist. And But I, I think realistically, the amount of magic that was going to come my way, I was never going to get to Saruman because I had to get to a whole lot of orcs first. So I think I was probably naive to think that I would have the sleigh for very long, um, but it, it, did, um, it did go probably a lot earlier than I expected. And, and then I've got Radagast with Sebastian and Legolas with two attacks, so the max I can kill is... I mean, on a really in- insanely good turn, maybe I could kill four. <laughs> like it, but realistically, it wasn't going to happen, even with heroic combat, so I don't think, think that was going to be likely. And you just had so many dudes. So you pushed over my, my back objective. But uh, Bjorn did, did do exactly what I wanted him to do. He cracked through the side. He managed to... He pretty much took uh, um, Gothamog out of the game. He took all his might and his, uh, all that like sort of stuff. Maybe one wound, one fate left. Yeah. And it was... But by then... He very much was not... I think with that, there was that strike... There was that time like, I was able to strike against you, and I think did I lose that combat? Or just, I just no, I think I won. Yeah, you I were think, trapped, and I think you got a couple of wins, and you like faded that, yeah. it, and it was like yeah, it's just probably I don't. I think it was the terror. You you, you only yeah. maybe got one or two guys as well as Gothmog in, but um, realistically, I didn't need to kill him. He wasn't for objectives. Saruman was far too far away for me to actually kill him to claim the objective. So I thought, well, realistically my best chance here is to march my way up to the far objective because you you'd kind of abandoned your own your own home objective here yeah i mean it's, it's maybe not the most sensible thing maybe no disrespect like a better player would kind of like have left some stuff behind absolutely but um i mean i guess that's why the, the vps are the way they are that yeah, yeah. it's one for you and five for your opponent or four for your opponent so yeah exactly yeah but so kind of, the risk paid yeah. off and it encourages you to play a more aggressive game, which, which makes it more interesting. But in the end, right at the end, I had uh, Legolas, or John McLean, surrounded. Uh, I charged a Berserker and a, a, another Moranon or something like that, uh, knowing that you couldn't shield and you'd put some spears behind them and things like that. Uh, and I'd spent, I think, six will on uh, uh, Buddy right at the end just to uh, renew uh, or refresh um, John McLean once um, in the hope that then I could charge Buddy into someone knowing that he would then vanish the next turn. Uh, did the same trick with Jovi. She, would, uh, she failed to renew uh, Bayon, which was annoying, but d- didn't really matter in the end. Um, and then she charged someone. And then Bayon catapulted himself onto the objective where you managed to get a, get a few people, including the Mouth of Sauron, into him, um, which, which was a bit dicey because I, I think I had two points of might with, with, the, uh, with the Grinchy Bear still. So it worked out in the end. I managed to win that fight barge you off the objective um, and then by that point I'd quartered myself because uh, John McLean went down to a, a series of berserker blades and, and other stuff and the two, uh, the two elf characters uh, vanished so leaving just the Grinch on the objective so I think actually getting me my, my best win no, best loss 
<laughs> because I got four uh, VPs for that objective, but I didn't manage to do anything else. But you claimed the win on 11 uh, VPs from the other objectives uh, completely, and also you killed Radagast uh, and broke me. So it was a decisive victory to you, but uh, I, I, will, I will claim some kind of victory for claiming some points at the end. Yeah, I don't, I don't think this score kind of fully resembles uh, the way the game folded, but, uh, but yeah. I, I, I think, to be honest, I do think it did. I, I genuinely think it did because I, I got a few points which I felt like maybe I deserved because I played them quite, played beyond quite well. Um, but you just played everything else really perfectly. Your magic was great. You focused on the, the primary objectives and getting the points. So, yeah, you, you deserve the win. But uh, I'm quite happy to have claimed a few VPs back. So, uh, Hamish, well done. Um, best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Thanks Thank for talking much. to me on the podcast. It's glad to have you here. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Game number five here at the GBHL finale. Uh, playing to the death. <clears throat> so finally, the Killy Pool, the one that uh, I've been waiting for all weekend. Uh, although, having said that, I think Contest of Champions or Lords of Battle probably would have been my preferred choice. Uh, but against the army that I'm playing against, it might not matter too much. So uh, up against Neil. First of all, Neil, um, just give us a, a run-through of what your army is. For. Uh, so I've got Azog on White Warg with heavy, heavy armor, sorry. Uh, a Gundabad Troll with Scythes, a Troll Brute, yeah. uh, a Warbat, and then a Necromancer and the Witch King of Angmar. And your leader is? Uh, Azog. Azog. So, um, I think, first of all, let's just ask, because I said this right at the end, um, do you think, why, why did you choose Azog to be your leader rather than Necromancer? Because I, I think most people would probably accept that the Necromancer is slightly more resilient. Uh, yeah, though, uh, the Necromancer has like lasted longer, but... Azog has the killing power, and that's what I was going for. Yeah. Um, hasn't performed <laughs> this weekend, but here. It's, a, it's an unusual list, though, isn't it? I mean, so you've got, what, is it six models or seven? Six models, yeah. Six models. So, uh, I mean, obviously you've mentioned it's not performed particularly well over the weekend, but uh, it, it's, got, it's got a lot of fun stuff in it, I guess. Is that, you're just a Gundabad fan? Yeah, I love Gundabad. Yeah. The Hunter Rocks are my favourite, so... And when you, uh, when you saw that you were facing up against the Christmas movie alliance, what did you think? Did you have any kind of uh, preconceptions in mind, any plans to, to win this game? Nope. Just, <laughs> just run in and go fight you. Yeah, and I think that's, that's, that's basically what happened. And largely, I don't think that's the wrong move. I mean, there's not a lot you can do. You need to get in quickly. I think you marched with, um, with uh, Azog early on with one of the White Wags, might because I guess you know that Legolas is going to snipe at you, snipe at you, snipe at you, and try and take your wag out. Is that, was that the idea? Yeah, my worry was Legolas just shooting me. I spent the most of the weekend being shot at by ballistas and stuff, so... Azog shoot, uh, Legolas shooting Azog was a big, a big threat. So. Yeah, yeah. And actually, he did. I think he took a wound off the White Warg and a fate early on, and then I maybe panic steeded you as well quite quickly. So I can't, I can't remember exactly the order of things, but it was something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, he took at least two, two bits of like, kind of uh, wounds or fate off him. So yeah, did a good yeah. job at the start. And then, and then he basically was like, well, go harder, go home. Went straight into Bayon first turn. Yeah, you know, go fight the biggest thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and I. Th I I can't remember, did, did I kill him that turn or was it a couple of turns later? But it was, it was fairly quickly that Azog went down. I think I immobilised or tried to immobilise him with Radagast but maybe failed the first turn. We both struck up to 10 and I think I won the roll-off, I want to say. I can't remember, it feels like so long ago. Yeah, yeah you won the roll-off and then I think you left him with one wound left. Yeah, so because it's, it's just, uh, just the three beyond attacks, which, which is fine. But it did mean that you had uh, some big, big stuff coming in. But I, I think the thing that helped me out was that on the board that we've got, there's like uh, a bit, big bit of terrain and then a tiny little wall. And it just meant that I could sort of hold my line inside there. I've got 
you know, I've got the two, the two magic folk, the uh, uh, elf team to stand in the gap and Bjorn in there as well and the, the slay, it all just means that I'm kind of shielding off this, this zone to try and prevent those massive bases getting in eventually and that I, I try and let you come at me dribs and drabs, that was the idea anyway. Yeah, you had a nice bit of protection to start with and you were, you were never going to come this way. No, I, and that's, it. that's yeah, exactly. That's the advantage of having Legolas is that you can always just say, I'm going to go for you and, uh, you know, that's it. And you just have to wait until you come. But as, as the game went on, obviously you encountered the, the, the frustration of playing against a, a Bombadil-fueled Radagast, which was quite, was quite rough at times, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know the exact tally, but I'm looking at my notepad. He must have had three, four, seven, ten, twelve points of might. Uh, I mean, he regained four wounds, I think, in total, including the sleigh. Uh, se- is that seven, no, nine fate that he, f- he p- passed and then uh, uh, came back? So he's still on three at the end. So, so uh, I mean, it, it was really close. You were properly chopping at him and you were doing a lot of damage, but it just, it just kept coming back. Yeah, the, your defences were big. Yeah. Like that, that changed the game of me having to roll sixes and yeah. couldn't roll six, well, one. Every so often, and actually, it's the because although you rate your chances with a, a mon, a, like a monster like a, a troll brute or a Gundabad scythe or a, or a necromancer, any of these things are great. But as soon as I say no, you've got to roll a six and you can't mite it, then it's suddenly you've only got four dice looking for sixes, which is not not really that that easy for you to get. So so it's a, a tricky thing. Having said that, there was one particular turn where I think just the combination of priorities and uh, uh, where the uh, I think I rolled a one on a, a refreshing song and stuff like that, which meant that I had no might one turn. Uh, or did I have no... I can't remember. Either way, you ch- chipped away all of my fate and I had only one wound left on Radagast. And, and it all came down to uh, a heroic move-off, essentially. If I won the heroic move-off, I could uh, charge the um, Troll Brute and the Necromancer, stop them doing magic and charging with a trample effect, uh, and also get the refreshing song to get my wounds back and the fate back. Uh, had you won it, there was a very, very strong chance you'd kill me there, wasn't there? So it was very, very close there. Yeah, it's probably a high chance of a dead Radagast that turn. But, I mean, that's the, that's the roll-off, isn't it? That's the yeah. way the game goes. Uh, luck of the dice. But, I mean, it's definitely the right move for you. Yeah. I know you were umming out about it for a long time. Yeah, but yeah. it was definitely the right move. Yeah, because I, I, I the, the other reason I was umming was... Because um, I I, if, I, if I used the refreshing song, I could restore the immobil- immobilizations afterwards rather than before and stuff like that. It was all very complicated. But uh, the one thing, I, I mentioned it halfway through, uh, I think you'd probably forgotten that this was potential, but um, the troll brute never tried to hurl me off the sleigh. Um, I, I don't know whether you just didn't, hadn't thought of it or whether you were just thinking that the strength eight was, was okay, good enough to get through. That's, that's my uh, forgetting, forgetting monsters can do monstrous attacks yeah. and hurl stuff, yes. And I think, I think probably because I'd mentioned it when he'd already taken a couple of wounds, I don't know whether you got a chance to win a fight and hurl me after that with him. But no, I don't think I did. No, <laughs> no. So, I, uh, unfortunately, uh, my prompt maybe didn't help quite as much as it could have done there. So, uh, in the end, though, it came really, really, really down to the wire. I mean, the, the very last turn, um, Radagast is completely out of might. Uh, Bayorn is uh, still wandering around. Uh, Legolas is still wandering around. But uh, both Buddy and Jovi have, uh, have abandoned the battlefield. Uh, basically, I used um, Tom Bombadil's banishment to try and whittle down the, um, the necromancer's will store. Because he was just, I just realized that um, if even Radagast, although he's winning quite a few fights on, against uh, the one attack, he was just not wounding him and he was losing one will a turn. And eventually, if once I'd run out of might, I was like, oh, I'm going to essentially going to have to 
I'm gonna I'm gonna take a load of chill souls and all that sort of stuff. So I thought well, I'll chip all your will away, and then all I need to do is charge you with with beyond the bear and chip off those final will really. Yeah, it's a lot to a lot to chip away. Twenty five will, yeah. but I mean you managed it pretty well. Yeah. Like that that last few punishments as well. Yeah, took away about four or five will. So yeah, yeah, because you because we were talking oh you what one of them it was like a four plus if you'd rolled the. Um, uh, the resist roll on a six, you could keep it, and all this sort of stuff. But it was all very, very tense. But it did end up in the final moment, throws of the game. Um, Bayorn, Legolas, and um, Raddy were on the sleigh surrounding the Witch King, essentially. Uh, sorry, um, uh, the Necromancer, and managed to get the win. And uh, Bayorn uh, tore the Necromancer apart. But I mean, I think credit credit where credit's due. Um, Legolas slash John McLean, absolute monster in this game. He he survived against the odds multiple times. Uh, two dice against your four dice on the troll I think twice at least twice so it was uh, he, and then he managed to kill the troll who just charged and trapped him against the wall um, which was which was pretty lucky on my behalf and I know Legolas wasn't a massive deal in, in the late game but just having that extra model to be able to pin you down and do stuff with is kind of important yeah he just kind of got around didn't he and yeah. just pinned that troll even though it was taking a bit of a here and there to both of them but yeah. he kind of just took the troll away and yeah, yeah. that was... troll could have chucked in three more attacks at Radagast yeah yeah so. exactly. yeah it's, it's a big deal well either way um it ended up being a 10-1 win which is the first win of the weekend um so as I expected in this sort of scenario it's probably probably m- likely my favorite uh, kind of scenario but I'd imagine also you were probably looking forward <laughs> to this scenario because that's the sort of thing you want as well uh, and you've come up against a horrible list to, to do it because Nothing dies in my list, so I can only apologise for that. No, don't apologise. I mean, I'm pretty sure we were both expecting to play each other at some point yeah, with yeah. our armies. But yeah, we were hovering down the bottom, <laughs> bottom tables, just eyeing each other up for a quite a while, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's expected. Well, either way, uh, best of luck in your next game. Fingers crossed you uh, uh, either get your first win or at the very least you get the spoon. <laughs> yeah. Probably the spoon at this rate. Yeah. Well, either way, thanks very much for the game. It was a cracker. Oh, cheers, Harry. Cheers. Right. A bit of a thigh-slapping action there. Uh, so it's game number six. You can hear on the clock. 18 seconds, eight minutes. It's all very exciting at the end of the GBHL finale. We've had game number six playing against Chris. Uh, Chris, uh, welcome welcome along to the podcast, first Hello. of all. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, to play against you. It's, this might be a slightly rushed uh, interview, so I can only apologise for that. That's but the, uh, we'll have some uh, good footage on the YouTube channel in a bit, uh, hopefully. So... First of all, before we get into this, uh, how have you found this tournament? Because we both found ourselves pretty much in the doldrums, right? <laughs> Basically, yeah. Uh, it's, it's been fun. Uh, I haven't done very well at all, but I'm, qu- I'm quite inexperienced at the game, so it's kind of to be expected. And I've, I've had, had uh, fun with each game. Like, it's... Uh yeah, I've learned like as I've been playing, so it's, yeah, it's been good. So, so this yeah. is a new army. It's actually borrowed from Alex Battle Camper Temple. That's right, yeah, um, because I, I was going to do my own army, but I didn't manage to get it finished in time, so uh, he kindly lent me one, um, which appeared in one of his videos. Um, uh, he'll, he'll tell you the channel. Yeah, yeah, Battle Camper, check it out on YouTube. <laughs> uh, so so it's just just get, run us through what you've got in the army. So it was uh, so it's Assault on Helm's Deep. Uh, it was... Um, one war band with several pikes, shields, and uh, some berserkers, and the leader, and a banner. Uh, another war band with captain, some pikes, and some shields, and two berserkers. Uh, Twelve crossbows and a crossbow captain, uh, who looks like Brasco, but isn't. And then two ballistas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So with that in mind, um, you had to come up against a very weird festive alliance. Did you? I mean, obviously, you, you 
it's a weird, you already knew at the game, but it's a weird army to face. What yeah. did you think when you set up? I sort of thought, like, how do I make this work? Uh, because I knew that about uh, um, Bombadil and Goldbury, the fact that you can't actually hurt them. So I thought, yeah, obviously you're just going to scatter, like, the, uh, the blisters onto them. The blisters are kind of the sort of one of the main damage dealers of this army, so they, they kind of need to be doing stuff, which luckily they did. Um, uh, but otherwise, yeah, I was just like, how do, how do you deal with them? Because they just wander around, do whatever they want. Like. <laughs> and as you said, you've hinted at it already. Fair, I think it was it the first or maybe second turn of shooting, uh, you shot your ballista at Radagast on the sleigh and you got the six on the scatter dice, which yes. was crucial, knocks him prone, yep. basically ruins the kind of big killing potential of my army. I've still got Bayon, yeah. still got Legolas, uh, or uh, I should, the Grinch oh, and yeah. John McClane. Okay. Uh, but this scenario is uh, Fog of War, yeah. so, uh, which we haven't said yet. And we're all about, it's all about choosing which one to protect and which one to, to kill yeah. and a terrain piece. So I, I, I chose Bombadil to protect because I know that he can't die, essentially, yeah. um, unless That's I'm cool. stupidly spending all his will. Um, and, and I also kind of meant that I knew you were either going for Bjorn or Legolas, yeah. John McClane, Grinch. Yeah. Um, but realistically, you're probably going for, for John McClane out of those two because he's got, he's just, he's lower defense, he's easier to kill. He's got two attacks, he's more likely to die in combat. So I think, I think the fog of war was actually less of a mystery for me. But the difficulty for you is you've got, what, five heroes to protect? Or four? Yeah, four, because four, uh, four, four, of the leader, it doesn't count. Yeah. So you've got four leaders to protect, and I've got four leaders to choose from. So how did you go about choosing which ones you, you were going to protect here? Uh, I thought that basically the... the, the so I went for the uh, the siege veteran, one of them, because I thought they're going to be right at the back of my thing, so you've got to get through quite a lot to get to them in the first place, including the blister itself. Um, so I was hoping that basically you either you wouldn't think of it... Uh, or um, you wouldn't be able to just wouldn't be able to get to them because uh, I thought the you know, the captains they're, they're going to get shot or killed or whatever um, uh, because they just they're, they're, the captains haven't done very well this tournament basically yeah. uh, they're, well they're just captains exactly you know, yeah. this is the one scenario where actually it, it's a bit of a dis- disadvantage having captains as your the bulk of your force but such is it, such is life especially when you got this sort of army. it's a legendary legion so yeah there's, there's no way around it like you can't get any uh, named heroes in yeah, it so exactly. yeah so so with that in mind, I'd chosen to kill your uh, Urukai captain with shield, so I figured he was the one who was going to be pushing himself forward more than the, Uruk- the bowmen, the crossbowmen, or obviously the siege veterans, and the leader was uh, out of choice. Um, and I put a, a lot of effort into killing uh, that guy with, with uh, John McLean's shots, yeah. which I rolled, I think it was two ones in a row, maybe three ones? I think it was three ones, yeah. It was three ones in a row, uh, obviously with three mites to make them into twos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think, I think the, the, but the two of those, actually, I rolled a, six, a, a natural six straight off the back of it so yeah. although I was cursing the dice gods I was immediately repaid each time so yeah. it was alright um, but I did mite it thinking I might not get another chance at, at shooting this because I thought you know if you kill John McLean with shooting that next turn you know I need to do it yeah. so uh, so that, that was and I think that, that took not long I think I'd, I'd also set a potential for Beyond to kill him I'd done some heroic combat to get into this, this bunch but um, once he was out of the way I knew I've got to I've got to take the terrain piece, but I was really in the wrong place for that. So and the other t- the terrain piece I'd chosen stupidly was out in the open. But the reason I'd chosen the uh, terrain piece that was out in the open was that the other one had your stuff in it already. Mm. And I think you had six crew on the uh, maybe seven crew seven. in so seven crew in total. Um, and I only have five models in my army, so no matter what I do, I can't get more models in there. So um, so I thought it was it was unlikely. But having said that, I'd abandoned that pretty early on. No, it, so it was all down to if I could kill the right. Hit 
hero yeah. and protect John McClane. So ensues a great battle. It was like, it was properly, Bjorn was doing all this heroic combating and barging and hurling and there were loads of Urukai dying and John McClane was valiantly sort of fighting off people but largely being protected by Bombadil and Goldbree. They were just, it's just this melee swir- uh, swirl of combat so Bjorn sort of like a cultivator on the back of a tractor like churning his way through this army heading towards the uh, the crossbows yeah. um, eventually um, the couple of nature's wraths before Radagast did die mm. absolutely devastating dropped a load of your uh, crossbows onto the floor meant you had a lot less shooting for a couple of turns that I, which neither of us were really expecting to be as powerful as that no I mean uh, I, I've only come across uh, Wrath of Ruin in uh, like sort of once and uh, that was obviously horrible but yeah the, like the fact that because it, you count as moving after standing up yeah. meant that obviously they were taken out for two turns not just one yeah. uh, which was yeah it was hideous obviously because a, a lot of firepower's in my crossbows yeah, yeah. Well, obviously um, yeah, so it, yeah it, was, it just took out that, that risk factor for John in particular because he he was getting the lion's share of the shots at him once and Radagast did eventually go down because of the nature's wrath you targeted him but um, ha- having said that Bjorn was doing the work charging his way forward into the um, uh, in, into the guys so it, it essentially meant it all came down to whether I could so there was a comp, there were three heroes at the back so the crossbow captain the uh, two siege veteran captains um, and I managed to get Bombadil and sorry Buddy the Elf and uh, Jovi into both the siege engines eventually which took a long time this was sort of tail end of the, the yeah. two hours probably um, and they managed to deactivate the things opening up a hole which allowed Bjorn to crack through and John McLean to crack through yeah. one on each of the two of the three heroes so this is this is a point where i'm thinking i want both of my heroes to kill and i'm hoping to god that i kill the right one but of course it it didn't quite go like that but it worked sort of because john mclean after doing combat rolls over hedges and everything got stuck into the urukai captain and what happened uh he so uh, yeah urukai captain the urukai leader came up behind him uh, along with the pike and Smushed. <laughs> yeah. He died hard. He, he absolutely. I, 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 I'm glad you took the joke. Well done. Uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, but there you go. So the, the, that was the thing. Ultimately, two dice. He's, he had the higher fight, but that was it. It yeah. needed to get a six, and he just didn't. Uh, he got smushed. So I knew that he was dead. But Bayon, in the meantime, had killed one of the siege veterans. So. There was a, basically, in my head, there was a one in three chance. I got it. That's time on the round. A one in three chance of, of me getting the right one. And I only went and got it. So I'd managed to kill the right siege veteran, uh, which obviously there was still maths to do. Um, we still needed to work out what the score was. But when all, all was said and done, it ended up with a dramatic something draw which I've forgotten the score of 6-6 six, 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 that's right uh, so uh, Chris it was a cracking game to end the tournament on ending on a draw it, 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 it can sometimes feel bittersweet but I, I hope you weren't disappointed by it because I thought it was, a, it was a thriller honestly for me it was nice to not lose the last game because yeah, I've, yes. I've lost all five so far so it was nice to at least have a not loss so yeah I'm, I, I'm happy with that I can only <laughs> apologise that I didn't actually beat you because then you might be in line for a spoon Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> and so I've, t- I've managed to take that away from you. Yeah, this far. So it's like the worst way you could do, probably without uh, out having come away with a spoon. I s- so how, I how does so. that make you feel? Kind of melancholic now. Yeah, uh, now, now yeah, I've put it in your head. So I've just taken the shine off the tournament. Well, uh, I can only apologise, Chris, uh, but also it was a cracking game, so I hope you enjoyed it, and yeah. I hope you enjoyed the event. I did, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank <laughs> you. Cheers. There you go. That is it. The GBHL finale is complete. Well, is it? Is it? No, it's not. So, usually, I would have an interview with uh, the winner of said tournament and the TO 
Although, you know, sometimes one of them or both of them go missing, depending on availability in life and stuff. This time I chose not to do that, A, because I was doing a live stream at the time to um, announce the awards for the Great British Hobbit League in total. We had the winner of the, the most sporting, um, the the most, uh, which was Chris Murphy. We had the winner for the best newcomer, which was Chris Lewis. We had the winner for the best painter in the league, which was John Partridge. We had all the regional winners, the team's winner, Guardians from Distant Lands. All of these different people were given awards or, or sort of a trophy was shown on a live stream, which I was doing, and they will get the award in the post. Um, but, of course, the main winner of this league and, and, and the, you know, the, the podium itself, I thought that they deserve a little bit more time than just a five-minute interview at the end of the podcast because, ultimately, these are the, some of the best players in the league in total. So... What I've decided to do, I was going to play all of that in one chunk in this episode. But instead, what I'm doing is releasing essentially two episodes back to back or sort of simultaneously. Um, I'm going to have this episode, which is 84, and then 85 will be a roundup of the Great British Hobbit League. This is the fun episode. This is all about nonsense and Santa Claus and Bayonne and Radagast, all that sort of stuff. The next episode will be a chat with two of the best players in the Great British Hobbit League, the winner and the runner-up of the league this year, um, who have both smashed the record for the most GBHL 100, that's the most competitive events, um, won in a whole year. Both of them did it separately. One got slightly more, but both of them smashed that record from last year. And uh, both of them are incredibly talented, insightful and gentlemanly players it must be said the, the the conduct that they've held themselves up with over the last year and and of course before that but in this heated competition this this fierce this fight this duel of of wits that they've had over the last year has been an incredible thing to watch i've been blessed enough to to be able to interview them multiple times over the course of the year at winning various events but i thought let's get them together and that's not always easy uh, if someone who's got their heart set on a win, um, uh, you know, it comes second by a whisker. It's not always easy to to uh, do that uh, in the sense of, you know, still talking about it and all that sort of stuff. But managed to get them both together and recorded a chat. I was going to put a teaser here, but instead I'm just going to leave it like that because I think that's a teaser enough. If you're following the league, you'll probably know who, who I'm talking about anyway, but I might as well just keep that mysterious for people who don't. Check out Entmoot85, which should be out right now. Top table tips for the top two players from the Great British Hobbit League 2022. Three, 2023. That would be a different set of people. These are two players, they share their knowledge, they share their sort of insight into what, what has been the best lists and they, they share some little strategic ideas that can that you, you can perhaps put into practice in your game. It's well worth listening to and it becomes really, really interesting um, in terms of the sort of the psychology as well of, of aiming for the top. So uh, fascinating. I can't wait for you to hear it. I can't wait for your feedback. Uh, so that will be the questions that need answering topic. What do you think of these two guys um, in the next episode? Love to hear it. Just, I'm going to stop talking now because then you can press next and hear the next episode of Entmood. Thanks very much for listening. Happy New Year and boo rum. Mm-hmm.